keynote speaker, expert on the topic of culture. And uh, if you know me, you know there's not a more exciting topic than that. So I am so excited to dive in. Before we get uh, chomping at this, really want to thank all of our listeners. Uh, 25 countries uh, wide and 230 plus cities and from coast to coast in the United States. So we really, really appreciate you guys. mean that sincerely. We do want to chop into this. This is going to be so much fun, man. I appreciate you joining. Yeah, man. I appreciate having me on, Brad. I, it's, uh, it's fun. I love these conversations. So thanks for having me. I really do. Absolutely. So if, if you don't know, Ryan, um, boy, you, you will. And you may not have a pulse because he's out there. Like I said, he's international. He's an author. Uh, Build a Culture of Good. Incredible. Uh, he's featured in Huffington Post, People, Forbes, Inc.com and countless others if you if you look him up there's just a whole host of people that are diving into the mccarty train and uh he's got a 12 week lead 12 week leader course coming out that we're going to dive into as well it's super so excited about that i wanted to ask you 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 were a pastor for 20 years yeah yeah and then you decided to go this route what what decided what was the deciding hinging factor there yeah, that's a really good question. After 20 years of doing um, the type of work that was very meaningful and purposeful, I ran into a CEO of uh, TCC, one of the largest Verizon retailers in the country, and he heard me speak. And he said, I want to bring that message of having a purposeful why in your everyday work. That was the message. Like, I want to bring that into my business and engage my employees. And I had no context of what the business world looked like at all, right. you know? So I, so uh, in conversation and talking to him, I realized this is an opportunity that I could really grow the influence of what I was wanting to do and the message that I had around, you know, just really living purposefully, right? Like really living with a sense of meaning, a sense of knowing that what you do every day matters, um, and I felt that in the nonprofit world, right? Like church mm -hmm. world, ministry world, I woke up every day, it was difficult, it was hard, but at the end of the day, I felt fulfilled. Right. When I came into the business world, I immediately recognized like this is like, this is such an opportunity in that space to really connect and engage people on a human level, like beyond employee engagement stuff, right? Like beyond the programs, like really touch people's hearts, see that transformative work in people's lives when they go out and make an impact on other people, which I was doing all the time. Right. And so as that started to grow and I was working with him, we realized we were onto something really special, you know, and, um, and it really takes the, the philosophy of nonprofit, very purpose-driven, missional, yeah. you know, meaningful work. And it just brings it right into our everyday work. And it says, uh, why, why does doing work and doing good have to be separate from each other? Why can't we do this as a collective? And, and, and that's really where it started was just this idea that, hey, <clears throat> for years, for two decades, I needed more volunteers and needed more resource. And in business, you know, they needed more mission and more purpose. And I was like, well, if I could bring all that together, oh. you know, thousands of employees to me was thousands of volunteers. Yeah. Right, because that's the only yeah. context I knew in terms of business at all was nonprofit up to that point. And so I was like, I was like, yo, if I have three thousand employees going out and doing good, 
that matters more than just me going out to do good. You know what I'm saying? So it was, oh. it was about multiplication and it was a moment in my life where I felt like, all right, I'm young, but I also recognize at some point I've been doing this for a while and the student becomes somewhat of a teacher and, and, and therefore is able to kind of grow and multiply impact and influence. And that's what I really pressed into. That's about seven years ago. I made that transition yeah so that is that is so strong i i'm with you i, I, I think that's what you and I, you and i are similar in that way that our juice is to uh spread the good vibes yeah, to create yeah. good culture and then we call that the double win by adding value to someone else you add value to your own life yeah and yeah I mean, it, yeah it's just it just it that's how it works right it's a yeah. give and take it's how it's how it's how it's not even transactional it's relational yes right so as i as i pour out to others the only thing that i can pour into others is what i what i've been, what's been poured into me mm-hmm. right and so and so there's a give and take right right and so and i think that's the complexity to everything that we do is asking like at what point do we also then start to back to the 12 week leader thing is how do I, how do I focus on myself so that, so that I'm in a place where I can fully show up for people. Right. right? But I can't fully show up for others if I don't first show up for myself. And so it's this, it's this idea that as we give to others, we have to first give to ourselves. We have to, we have to choose this kind of very purposeful, meaningful life and also recognize like, if I'm going to want to benefit others in a way that's, you know, sustainable and substantial to their life and their existence. And at some level I have to start with me, you know, and that's, and that's always been the idea for me. I think in, in, in the space I was in before business, it was very much um, this personal connection to that meaningful work and, and wanting to have purpose. And then from that, then, you just get so much by giving to others. I mean, right. You know, I mean, it, you know how it is. Mm-hmm. It, it, it just is, is can't beat it. You, nah, man. It's, it's, they call it the helpers high. Yeah. Like oh. we're, you know, yeah. if we can get high at work, Yeah. you know, yeah. like, like I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> just by giving man, just by oh. like showing up for people, you know, I think about culture of good and, and the business I run being, not just about the philanthropy and doing good and volunteerism and giving back and all of that, but, but really about, you know, also the internal culture and how I care for my peers and how I care for the customer and culture kind of, you know, has its, has its way about all of those things, you know, and and it speaks to the very DNA of, of the business and who we are as people. And I could go on and on, man, but that's, yeah, it fires me up, you know? Yeah. And because, because at the end of the day, I think, you know, what, what we're looking for in life, every single one of us, all of the listeners that are on today, whether we do so consciously or unconsciously, we're looking for fulfillment, fulfillment, right? And I I like to define that as your, your soul being fully filled Hmm. At, at the point that your soul is fully filled, you feel fulfillment, right? It's, it's at the point where you've given and you've invested and you've poured your life into others, uh, that that's, that's how you fill your soul. And that's where we get full fulfillment, right? We're fully filled. And, and that, that's, that's the work that I love, man. That's, 
you say it jazzes, that's what jazzes me up, dude. Yeah, <laughs> so good. Yeah. So you, you had talked about a bunch of things there, uh, so much good stuff to cover. One thing you talked about that was uh, essentially a self-starter, like you need to, you need to become a self-starter because, um, you know, workforces, any arena, they're not looking to hire, they're not, the good ones aren't necessarily looking to motivate, right? I mean, they're wanting to hire motivated. Yeah, they yeah, want, yeah. They want self-starters. Yeah, so, yeah. So how do we create uh, the DNA within ourselves to be a self-starter? Mm. How do we do that? Yeah, you know, um, let me let me uh, speak to something you just said because I had someone ask me how do we how do we um, how do we find the best talent? You know, okay. the self starters yeah. and yeah. that. And and I said you don't. They find you. Yeah. Right. So so that speaks to culture. Um, yeah. It's not the answer to your question, but right. that that really speaks to the idea that if you if you establish the DNA of who you are and the essence of your business and. And, uh, you know, I think, I think self-starting internally in ourself, um, really we, for me, and, and we go through this with the 12 week leader curriculum is, is answering four questions. And we don't just, we, you don't just answer these questions. The first one, I don't know that you ever get to answer throughout your entire life. So it's kind of a, you know, it's kind of a trick question, gotcha. but, um, who am I? Right. Um, and that's, that's going to be evolving and changing all the time. That's right. a tough question to answer yes. if we're really real yeah. about it. Who am I? What do I want? Where am I headed? And who do I want to be when I get there? Mm. Right. And so, and so this process of taking through these phases of like self-awareness and knowing oneself really well, um, being able to stand in front of a mirror and asking, who am I yeah. or who are you? And being able to give a, a, a question that really resonates with ourself. Uh, and then, and then what do I really want in terms of relationships, money, you know, finances, um, position at work, wh whatever, whatever that looks like. Right. Yeah. Uh, what do I want in life? Where am I headed? What, what do I see for, for the direction of my life? I heard, uh, a quote one time that, um, direction, not intention determines destination, right? So direction, not your intention, not like I intend to do this or go this direction, but direction. So you set direction and then you determine who you want to be when you get there. And then, you know, it's like everything else, right? It's steps. It's if, if I want to lose 30 pounds by this date, then I just can't intend to do that. <laughs> you right, know, right. I, it, it really comes down to behavior. But when we, but when we think about behavior and this speaks to all, all the whole conversation around culture internal culture in ourself in our teams in our organizations whatever it is it, it it's determined by behavior but we have to know what behavior is determined by yeah because a lot of companies are trying to make everybody's behavior fit into a certain culture but yep. behavior comes from belief comes from feeling right so feeling that's where it starts so if i were to talk to you and answer that question on where do we start is becoming a self-starter you got to know who you are what you want right? Where you're headed and, and how you're going to get there. But you have to get back to the sense of like, I would ask you, how strongly do you feel about your answers, right? Like if you feel really strong, it's going to, do, it's going to create beliefs that turn into behaviors. Mm. So if I believe a certain thing, then I'll behave a certain way. But we can't start with behavior. We have to start with a feeling. And so 
you know, to become a self-starter, you have to, it, it's tricky because it's somewhat, sub, it's a subjective start. Right. You know, uh, yeah. we can, we can objectively write down goals and you know all about goal setting sure. and making yeah. sure you have it written down and make sure your vision's written down, your values are written down and all of that. And that's great. But if, if you don't feel connected to that, if you don't have a sense of what you're talking about, feeling jazzed, right? Yeah. What makes your heart feel alive? Right. What is it when you step into that space, into that room, into that conversation that you're like, this is me. Like I am, I belong right here, right now. If you don't feel that, that's going to, all the goals you've written down on a wall and what you value and the vision you have for your future, it starts with a sense of, of feeling and it has to get back to that. And, you know, that's, that's a, a, a deep conversation on how do we get to a place where we start feeling like we deserve to that position. Like we, we deserve to, you know, to make that yeah. amount of money that we deserve to have healthy relationships that we deserve to have a healthy marriage that we deserve to have a good relationship with our kids. You know, um, yeah. you know, mm. I mean, you're, a, you're like a life coach. So we could get into yeah. like sabotaging thoughts and converse internal conversation and you know, the, the whole deal, but it starts with that feeling. Yeah. So good. You talk about, I, I might butcher this. I think I got it. You, with your, when you go and speak to people, you talk about reaching out, hanging out, and rocking out. <laughs> yeah. Love yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, man. If we yeah. went no further, I just wanted to get it on the record that I love that. <laughs> I, I yeah, want to do yeah. Every time I talk to people, whether it be a small group, uh, a, an athletic team, or a business, I'm the same way. Yeah. Man, we we want to connect and we want to be charged when we're connecting and we want to feel engagement. How do you how do you suggest there's people out there, whether it be a, a little league coach or a CEO, that they are best able to accomplish that? How do they best that might be a big answer, but reach out, hang out, rock out with some energy. How do they plug that into their, you know, their work DNA or their team DNA? Yeah, you know, I, that's a, <laughs> that's a great question. It kind of, no, 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 that's cool, man. Because honestly, I'm, I'm very introverted and very kind of like keep to myself and, and do my own thing. This year has been like plant a garden during quarantine. And I have, <laughs> I, I no less than three or four times a day go out to my garden, you know? Yeah, uh, which is great. That doesn't answer your question, but I want to give you some context. When I'm talking rock out, it's like, you know, it's 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 natural for me to feel the energy of others. Yes. Obviously, when you jumped on, you have a certain energy. I I feed off of that. So there's mm -hmm. a there's a sense that, you know, if if we're gonna, you know, if if we're gonna create this like reach out, hang out, rock out type atmosphere within our business, you know, not every leader, not every CEO, not every president owner is just charismatic, jump on a stage, connect, right? Right. That's not what people are looking for. If really when we think about reach out, hang out and rock out, the reach out part, let's let's talk about that for a second. Let's let's break it down, right? Okay. Reach out. Okay? So 2 months into the quarantine, less than 40% of employees stated that their boss reached out to them to ask them how they were doing right? Less than 40%. So that's not a whole lot of, of, of reaching out just by a boss saying, how are you? Right. right. 
So we have got to start thinking about those that work on our teams, our team members, those that we lead in, in through the lens of human experience, mm -hmm. rehumanizing our leadership, right? Really asking the question like, you know, how, how am I showing up for people? When we talk about leadership, how do we define leadership? We have to see it beyond our rank, our position, our title. And we know that, right? Yeah. Yeah. But we, ha we have to not only see it as what it's not, we have to see it as what it is, right? The leaders in our life, if we look back, Brad, if I were to ask you this, name one or two leaders in your past that you can look back on that had the most profound impact on your life, right? Most profound impact. They may not have been the most charismatic. They probably didn't ever do a TED Talk. Right. They probably did didn't ever have a podcast, right? right? They weren't the most charismatic. They weren't out there. They weren't, you know, they could have been charismatic, but the ones that, the ones that made the most impact in your life were there for you. This, this is what I hear from everybody. Yeah. They were there for me. I knew they cared about me as a person, right? They showed up and they, they were there for me during my good, bad, and ugly. And then we get into the business world and we think leadership is something other than that. Right. Right. But we know that's not, we know that leadership is really about the reach out. It starts with the showing up for people, connecting on a human level, being able to connect in that way. And then, and then the hangout, really building relationship with your team. Right. And, yeah. and, and then beyond that, it's like, then you can, you can't rock out until you show up for people. And yeah. I think that's the interesting thing with some of the culture conversation early on. It was like, let's throw a ping pong table. Let's have open workspace. Let's play music in the hallways. Let's have free beer on Fridays. You know, yeah. nothing wrong with any of that stuff, sure. man. But, yeah. but that's, but that, that's the rock out. That's the fun stuff. We add, we add all of that in after people know that we care. And that seems really elementary and, and, and simple. And, and we could, we could certainly oversimplify that. It takes a lot of strategy and work to build that type of culture. Sure. And we can get into, we can get into some of the methodology around that, but you know, the, we don't rock out till we, till we, you know, really show up for people. Yeah. And, uh, and, and that to me is man, like what matters to me from leaders in my life is, is what I should really qualify as leadership from me. Right. You know, so that's, that's the idea with that. But I do love the rock out part. <laughs> the free beer on Fridays is yes. great. Like yes. I will never preach against free beer on Fridays. I'm all about all of that. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Do the ping pong tables, the beanbag chairs, the hangout, you know, the team building. But in all of that, another way that we could really rock out is like, go into the world and do amazing good for others through our work and through our business. And, and the, the methodology to that is where it aligns to our core competency of what we do every day anyway. Yep. So if what I do every day is I own a hotel chain, then I look at my hotel chain and I say, well, I give people a home away from home. Therefore, you know, the resources I do currently have to do good in the world, I, I could make an impact in this way in the world through the resources, competency of what we do every day. And that becomes part of our business strategy. Right. And I know you didn't ask that, but no, that's, that's, kind of, that's kind of the direction it moves into is like, 
let's let's you know reach out let's hang out let's rock out the rock out are these you know these major impact opportunities and that that's a cool way to rock out with a team man with the whole organization yeah you know that's that's a a unique way of doing it so that's that's what i'm about man when you guys have definitely rocked out with a lot of people you guys have raised over it's six or seven million dollars for communities yeah that's an old figure it's growing man yeah yeah i mean it just keeps growing it's so amazing man i mean i remember days where we were trying to scrounge up a couple hundred bucks to buy backpacks for a few kids in our neighborhood where we had the church you know right Um, and that grew and grew and 10 years later we started i started doing it in the business world and Six years after that, the one company we launched it in is going to give away their one millionth backpack with school supplies this year after six years of doing it. Mm. Um, it's, it's, you know, the self-starter thing, let's get back to that for a moment. Because some people have a vision, a huge vision to do amazing good in the world, but they're not willing to sit in a basement and stuff 10 backpacks full of school supplies right? So you mm-hmm. have to, whatever it is, wherever, wherever you see yourself headed, um, you know, you eat an elephant one bite at a time, man. And, and you just, you, you get started, you know, you, there's so many times I wanted to quit and give up. You find the people around you that are going to show up for you, not your vision, not what you can accomplish, not what they can get out of what you're starting you know, the one or two people in your life, which is Mm -hmm. about normally what we have throughout our entire life is one or two people that are only there in your life for you. If Brad F's up everything, he screws the whole thing up, you know, messes that they're still going to show up. They're going to show up at 8am saying, come on, make your bed. Let's do this. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, absolutely. So you find those people around you because self-starting anything and really like being self-motivated and getting that, you know, that self-leadership type work in your life. It's, it's tough. It's tough work. Uh, being a, a, an entrepreneur and getting things kicked off is really difficult. And just having the right one or two people around you consistently that again, those are the people that are showing up for you. Um, you know, that's that's so that's so imperative man because that's going to be the sustaining work that's going to continue forward you know right and that kind of ties in a little bit you know when you were talking about rocking out and before you can rock out essentially you were talking about is making relationships and connections right i mean that's that's the reach out hang out part and once you've made all those connections you know we always say on here relationships are the true power grid once you've made those, then you can rock out. Yeah, I've never, I've never accomplished. I don't know that I've accomplished anything by myself. Yeah, yeah. I don't think there's, I don't think there's, um, there's no such thing as a self-made man or woman. There's, mm-hmm. it's just, yep. it just doesn't exist, right? right? Um, and and I, you know, I look back. I look back and I recognize like, yeah, absolutely. Well, and and back to the idea of, so you reached out to me. Mm -hmm. We're hanging out now. We're building relationship. This is the start, right? Right. Um, In the next couple of years, if we stay in connection and relationship, Mm -hmm. which I hope we do. Yeah. We're going to rock some. Yes. Yes, (laughs) we are. We're not going to stay connected and not rock some good. Right. Because that's what you do. And that's what I do. Yes. So, so not only do you have to connect with one or two people that 
are going to show up just for you. It's really important to have people around you uh, that are like-minded. They have the same kind of soul in a sense. Mm. Yeah. What fills up your soul fills up my soul. Yeah. And so it makes sense for us to go and rock some stuff out together. Like, let's, yes. like figuring out how to make some good happen. This conversation hopefully makes some good happen. Somebody's going to reach out to yeah. you or I because of this conversation. We'll hang out with them and then we'll rock some. And yes. it continues to grow. Right. Uh, but it is very relational. And, uh, and, and I, I see business that way. When I first got hired into uh, a, a corporate office, I started walking around and hugging people, man. Like I, <laughs> at first meeting with people, I hug, you know, yeah. not so much today, but back right. then before COVID and everything sure. else, I'm a big hugger, man. Like, and, and I think that kind of like fit into the ministry paradigm and like the whole, like, mm -hmm. you know, we just connected with hundreds of people every week and hugged everybody. And. So when I came into business, people were kind of taken back at first, right? you know, but today I can't walk into an office, you know, and uh, well, again, pre-COVID, I couldn't walk into an office and somebody wouldn't get up from their desk, you know, stop a conversation on a phone or whatever they were doing and come around, and give me a hug, yeah. even if we didn't have time to talk, right. and they'd jump back on their call. It's just, you know, relationship, man, and that human connection um, because I think from out of that cultivates what we were talking about early on is that feeling, right? It's that feeling of connection, that feeling, um, of what we, what I was, <laughs> people termed like the, the, uh, what is it? The touchy feely stuff. Yeah. So that's, you know, um, because it turns out that humans are touchy and feely, yep. you know? Yep. Um, so I was almost a little criticized by a few leaders at first when I brought, kind of culture of good into business, you know, like, yeah, yeah Ryan's all about the touchy feely stuff, you know, the soft skill stuff. And, and uh, if it was, if it was soft skills, it wouldn't be so hard for everybody to do it. You know? Right. Like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I was going to ask you, so um, I'm a believer in that there's strength and vulnerability. Yeah. How is it that, uh, I mean, could you tell us your story a little bit and then can you kind of connect that with the listeners and guards too? Cause a lot of people, especially us fellas, it seems like yeah, have a really hard time with admitting that we have vulnerabilities. I've never met a person, like you said, I've never met a self-made man or woman, but for some reason people are afraid to admit that they have junk in the trunk or that yeah. they've made mistakes. Can you kind of dive into that a little bit? Well, let me start by saying I'm still a mess. I'm turning 44 in a couple days on the 8th, 44 years old, um, still getting therapy, right? Uh, yeah, vulnerability is interesting because um, going back to the ministry world, that's a very vulnerable place because you're, you're, you're open about issues in, in mm -hmm. some settings. And that's really the, the, kind of, the kind of space that we curated uh, within the ministry world was very vulnerable. It was very open, honest, um, about just our own realities of what we have been through and how that's now impacting us. My childhood trauma, um, at six years old, after my mom was diagnosed, you know, paranoid schizophrenic, my dad had come back from Vietnam, met her. She was a nurse before she was diagnosed. 
She was a nurse at a VA hospital. He was strung out on drugs and they fell in love at the VA hospital. So a drug addict nurse falls in love and here I am. (laughs) (laughs) You don't get to choose how you show up. You know, like that's how, that's how I showed up. But, um, you know, my dad stayed on drugs. My mom, um, had a lot of mental illness. My dad had PTSD. Uh, so at six, my mom, uh, when I was in class, uh, that day, her, her schizophrenia really, really took over and it, it took her life. So she died from suicide when I was six years old. Um, my dad was still on heroin. Um, you know, you could imagine like finding me at that age and, and just thinking about what kind of future does this kid have? You know, um, the, the fortunate thing with my story is from, from all of that, my dad really had a life change and uh, was able to get off of drugs and, 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 you know, got free from all that and cleaned up, you know, he was clean and has been clean since 1983. Incredible. Awesome. Awesome. Incredible. Yeah. And I just, I kind of followed in his footsteps and that's what led me into ministry uh, because I found that to be a very creative space where there were always people that were vulnerable with their needs. Right. And because you don't, you don't connect into those spaces because everything, you got everything together. Right. 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 <laughs> so people are, people are tend to be honest in conversation and open. And I found myself in spaces where I could really make an impact on people's lives not not in some religious sense, but in a very tangible, like I said, meeting people's needs, right? right. Uh, I had a mentor when I was 16. He said, uh, the need is the call. The need is the call. So the, our calling and purpose in life is to, to look around us and where we see a need, if we have the capacity to meet that need and, and we're compelled, our soul compels us to do something, that's how we know we're called to do something. Right. Yes. And I felt that sense of calling in the nonprofit ministry space because it afforded me the opportunity to consistently meet people's needs every single day. If it was a conversation at Starbucks, if it was, um, you know, dropping off groceries to someone, if it was dropping off a blanket to a abandoned garage because we knew we knew a homeless uh, man named Bill was going to be there through the winter and it was cold that night. My daughter and I would go. It, that that to me was was everything. That was a context of what I felt like living really was. Yes. And so so I lived in that um, experience year after year after year for over twenty years. And and you know back to the story. And that's where I eventually meet uh, Scott, my business partner, which we started Culture of Good because mm-hmm. he's like let's let's take you and let's like bring that into the business and see what comes out of it. And it's, it's been a beautiful thing, but I want to share one thing really quick with you is that uh, 30 years after I lost my mom, I was reintroduced to um, a little elderly lady that walked up to me and she introduced herself and she asked me if I was Ryan, Ryan McCarty. And she started crying and she was my teacher when, yeah. 30 years later in the same city, I'd moved to New York and Indianapolis. And I was back in this small town of Marion, Indiana, uh, in the Midwest. And I, I, I meet this beautiful woman who says to me that when, um, 
when it came to my mom's funeral, they didn't know who to call. You know, I had nobody. I had nobody. Uh, I had a 12-year-old sister, but, you know, she's 12. She just lost her. I had, I had no adult, Brad, in my life. And so the only person they could figure out, no family members, the only person they could figure out to call was Mrs. Parks. I had no idea, man. I had no idea. In class, she said I would come to class every day, you know, through the rest of the school year. And I'd cry every single, she said every single morning she'd put a cloth towel on her shoulder because she knew at some point during class, she would come over and pick me up and put me on her shoulder and let me cry uh, through the rest of the class. If I were to define leadership for you, I can't speak of it beyond that. I can't speak of leadership beyond holding a child on your shoulder and letting them cry because they're hurting. I can't think of looking at an employee in their eyes and saying, you know, I, I know things must be hard right now. I don't know what's going on, but I just want you to know I'm here. Instead of saying, you know, you were late to work three days in a row and that's unacceptable, you know. Um, it's three days you've been late to what's going on, you know? Yeah. Um, you all right? You know, and, and that, that to me is, is um, I, I, that vulnerability, that willingness to go into business and open up your soul to people um, is, is to me the most transformative experience that I have in people's lives. Because whether it's from the stage in front of thousands of people or in front of one person sitting, you know, in an office with me, um, the tears flow, the openness happens. What I tend to believe is that most people just don't feel safe in business. We don't feel safe being vulnerable. We don't feel safe sharing what's really going on in our lives. Um, and so we don't. And, we, and we've created an atmosphere and environment within businesses, very male-dominated, male-driven, um, which back to what you said, we don't do that well. Right. You know what I'm right. saying? Right. And so we've created a culture where that's not the norm. And therefore, as the workforce becomes more diverse, those that are coming in immediately have to start learning the rules of the road and recognize that if they start to become vulnerable, then that can be used against them. Yeah. You know? Um, and I've seen that. I've seen someone uh, get fired because they, um, and, and they, you know, uh, by all rights, they, you know, their work was lacking, but their mom had just gone through two or three brain surgeries in the past uh, six months. And because of that, uh, it had a profound impact on how they were treated as an employee. Yeah. Um, so it, it's true, like vulnerability is scary. Uh, and it takes a lot of courage to step into that space. But, uh, you know, one of, the, one of the things that really I saw that was really unique was, you know, I've been in the church world telling my story for years. And so people are used to it. Yeah. And I stepped in the business world and I'm in front of 20 employees that were just hired into the company and I'm up there and I'm 
rightfully going to tear up from time to time, tell my story because it's very real to me. Right. And then you look out at these new employees that were just showing up to get trained, like professional development, like learn their KPIs and how to sell really well. And I get up there and we're all just crying together, you know? Yeah. And, um, but then, but then, you know, a year after we started, we, we found that, you know, well over 90% of employees stated that this work gave them a sense of fulfillment in their, in their everyday work, you know, the culture of good and connecting with others and rehumanizing business. And so it's, you know, that vulnerability that you speak of is, um, it's becoming less and less rare. Uh, but I, we've got a long way to go, a long way to go. And it starts with leadership, man. People don't embrace what you don't first embody. If you're not vulnerable as a leader, you won't, you won't have a team that's connected. You, you can't even get into employee engagement if you don't have vulnerable leadership. Yeah. Like vulnerable leadership is step one to employee engagement. Like there's not even a, ch- like I don't care how many programs, platforms, you know, how many times you take your team out to shoot each other with paintball guns. I don't right. care. You know, it, it, it starts with vulnerable leadership. And, and I would say then it starts with just leadership because there's no such thing as unvulnerable leadership. That's right. a whole nother deal. Sorry. Oh. I ramble, man. Love that. Apologies, man. Oh, <laughs> oh, I, I feel like I've got like a, I don't have a six pack right now. I got an eight pack rocking <laughs> just from like, I mean, I could step in, I could go, uh, Randy Macho Man Savage on you right now. I'm feeling like I'm just bulking up just listening to your story. Yeah, uh, man. I, one, yeah. Thing, one thing I liked about you said, I, I liked a lot of that, but, you know, I liked how I noticed you used that 97% stat just now. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's some people that use stats to, as uh, prove. And then there's other people that use stats to improve. Mm-hmm. And I, and I like that you use that stat right there because it, that's how I am. When I, you know, for instance, you brought up self-awareness earlier. And we, we had said early in a different episode that roughly 85% of people think they're self-aware. But <laughs> as you know, 80% of those people are not self-aware. No, yeah, <laughs> You yeah. can use stats like that to. It's, the 15, I, it's, just, it's probably the 15% that don't think they are that actually are. <laughs> so true so true you know what I'm saying? and that's yeah. why they don't admit it that's yeah. why yeah anybody going around t- calling themselves a um servant leader <laughs> <laughs> yeah so true man yeah uh, uh yeah the, hey. the self-aware that are the most humble people in the world you know <laughs> we're, we're gonna give ourselves five minutes here when we're kicking you to the curb <laughs> all right sounds good uh, I got to ask you real quick. Do you have a favorite book? Well, I, um, right now I do. Um, and, and this is a book that speaks right to where we are as a society, right to what matters to me. So my wife is, um, is biracial. So her father was black, her mom's white. Um, so she's, she grew up in a black community. She, you know, she's identifies as black and, and um, both our daughters are black. And, and for me, this work recently around 
anti-racism and all of that. Currently, right now, my favorite book is by a woman named Layla F. Saad, S-A-A-D. I put out a little video about her because she did a book that's a 28-day challenge to examine your own bias. Mm. That's tough, man. I mean, yeah. that I, I, I'll be honest with you. I love books that are transformative. This book, yes. it was... It's, it's got an interesting name, Me and White Supremacy. <laughs> wow. And I got, the, I got this book, and it rocked me, man. Huh. It rocked me in all the right ways. Um, I'm, I am different in terms of knowing uh, what I need to work on. That's huge. Yep. And so, yeah, I've got a, all, kinds of, all kinds of books that I love. But when we talk about one book right now that I'm like, everybody's got, not everybody, yeah. but you and I need to. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and those like us need to, um, I, I would encourage everybody to grab that. You know, um, it's, it's been transformative for me. Hmm. So, yeah. Um, do you, are you a Disney guy? Uh, I've are you a been, cartoon well, guy? Somewhat, yeah. I've been I've been to Disney eight times. My my my, my best friend works down there, and his if wife. If you could, <laughs> if you could pick one Disney movie or uh, any animated film in the last ten years that yeah. that demonstrated your kind of culture, can you think of one? Oh wow, that's a really good. That's... Or maybe a or maybe a character that yeah, demonstrates your. Oh, that's a really good question. I'm trying to think. Because initially I was going to say Beauty and the Beast because I was thinking about my wife and I. <laughs> <laughs> so that's home culture there. It's me like in this castle, like just like mad yeah. at the world, ready to do something. And then she just brings this beauty in, you know? Yeah, like, yeah for sure. Um, yeah, that's a great, I'm trying, I'm trying to think because I have, I have a lot of Disney movies that I love, but I'm, I'm trying to think of, you know, I would I would like to think of myself like uh, Ariel, you know, like the yeah. Little Mermaid, gotcha. right? Just just this uh, finding one's voice in this world, um, really a search for adventure and trying to find fulfillment and looking for a way out out of my own experience and what I was growing up in. Yeah. And then wanting to bring others into that as well. You know, I think, I think, yeah, just off the cuff, that's what comes to me okay. later on. It's going to drive me nuts because I'm going <laughs> to come up with a bunch of other things and I'm yeah. just going to, I'm going to record my voice and send it to you. And you can just dub it in. <laughs> we'll edit in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. <laughs> uh, Absolutely. So I got a, so 40% of all resumes uh, reportedly have a lie on it. Yeah. Why do people do that? Why, why do, because they're not all bad people. Why does someone feel the need to be dishonest on their resume? Because, because what we're asking people doesn't matter. What's your highest college degree? Well, if I'm, if I'm applying to be a physician, great. So, so I've lied on a resume before. I, I, I gave myself a higher college degree than what I had because the, the job required that I have that college degree. Gotcha. Did it matter to anything? No. So right. I just went with it. 
Right. You know? um, I don't know how many of your guests admit to lying on, on resumes, but that, right. that I, that's my quickest answer. Um, we're asking, we're asking employees questions that really, unless it really pertains to the work that they do. So here's, I, I would say 90 or 39% or I'm sorry, thir- you said 40% have mm-hmm. a lie. 39% of them are, yes, I know how to use Excel really well. <laughs> yeah. Know, like, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, you know, these these are things that we can learn. And so I think people go into it thinking, well, you know, if, if they need me to know Excel, then I'm going to just jump on YouTube and learn Excel tonight yeah. over yeah. the next week. Do, do you think that, uh, do you think that people also do those kind of things because they feel like their best isn't good enough? Like they feel like they have to be something they're not because they're they're not secure or they don't feel good enough inside their own skin to just i bet i bet if you ask every one of them it would be a different answer i think yeah. there's i think there could be some of that within the resume space as well there could be you know um a wanting we we live in a in a world man that's that's all about being impressive dude yeah. Like, like for me, the older I get, what I've, been, what I've said, and I've said this for a few years is the older I get, the less impressed I am and the more I appreciate. Yes. That's gold. That's the question that we have to ask when we're, we're designing resume questions is, are we looking for impressiveness? Are we looking to appreciate, like, how do we, how are we really getting beyond just the resume on paper to really appreciating who that person is, mm-hmm. what they can really bring to the table. Yes. Because all that skill set stuff is things I can teach. Yes. But but for you being a really good human being, that's the that's the stuff that you wake up deciding to be. Yeah. And if I really get to know you well and 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 I know that you're a great person and a good human being the skill stuff and what we put on a resume and what's your greatest weakness, what's your greatest strength. And do you know, Excel and what's your highest, you know, college degree and all of that kind of stuff. We, we can work out those details depending on the type of job it is. Right. Right. Um, But, but like that, that human element, you know, it, again, it gets right back to that, that human element stuff i mean like really getting to know someone so yeah it could be some scenarios where people don't feel that what they have to offer is good enough but it might be what we're asking on the resumes set people up to lie right yeah i'm i'm, I'm not giving anybody a pass to lie on resumes but right um, no you know. I don't, it all makes sense it feels like every every good uh leader or keynote speaker or uh, even headline comedians, it feels like everything, a lot of stuff revolves around empathy. You know, like feel, like how you treat others, those kind of things. But like like you kind of mentioned, they they have all these questions and they all have this rigorous interviewing process when at the end of the day, are you empathetic? Can you connect with others? Yeah. Like you said, we can teach people how to do this, that, and the other thing. But if you don't have the DNA of a person who is into other human beings, that's, that's, it's tough to teach intent. 
Yeah, well, well, how are we asking, how are we asking potential employees to not lie on a resume when we lie on our website? Like we put our values up, but half the time we, if you go up to half of the, the executive team, they couldn't even rattle off three of the values. Totally. Right. Like, you know, um, you know, every, not every, a lot of companies, you know, are proud of their culture and you really get into right. the work and, you know, past the honeymoon stage. Yeah. I wish we could just be real with employees and say, you know what, come work for us. It's going to suck a lot, but we're going to have some good times too. Right. There's going to be some issues. Yeah. You may not like your boss. And, you know, if you're in sales, there's going to be some months that you're going to, you know, eat some ramen noodles for a while. Right. Come work for us. But we don't yeah. say that. Right. So we're lying to people to get them to work for us. And then we say, why are you lying to come work for us? <laughs> <laughs> Sense. Yeah, we're just we're just living this like impressive, you know, impress me so I'll come work for you. Yep. And I'll impress you so you want to me to come work for you. And, yeah. and then we've yeah. we've built that into the system. And and so the reason that people lie is because that's how it works. Right. Hmm. Hey, could you uh we're running out of time here. Could you please I'm just so uh so interested in your 12 week leader course this sounds amazing 12 weeks 12 yeah. minutes a week can you please just like dive into that just real quick oh absolutely so you know i i spent uh years teaching leadership development stuff you know and so i i recognize that there's there's a gap when we talk about leadership because i believe that all leadership starts with self-leadership and so I, I spent a couple years just writing what could have been a book or curriculum. And then, and then through the course of that time, recognized that there were these reoccurring themes that were coming out of that writing. And there were 12 of them. And then I started looking at paragraphs and it was like a matrix, bro. I was just like, I don't know. It was like a mad scientist. I was like, oh my God, that paragraph doesn't go there. It goes underneath that theme. And it just, it just kind of fell into place. And, and, you know, by falling into place, it was a lot of work. It didn't just happen. Right. But right. What, I, what I ended up with was 12 weeks, 12 minutes a day, where you wake up, you read a topic on a specific theme for that week. So every, there's 12 themes that an individual will go through, an employee will go through. And ideally what's happening is leaders within business are taking them, their teams and offering this to their employees as personal development. Gotcha. So, so, so I believe here, here, my philosophy is professional development comes first out of personal development. You can't professionally develop someone so much that, that um, I think you can professionally develop someone without personally developing them where they're not, they're not equipped to be able to handle where you're taking them. And so, and so for me, it was this personal development where we offer 12 minutes a day, you read, there's a challenge and reflection every single day based on a topic for that day that takes 12 minutes that speaks to the overall theme for that week. So a real basic idea is one week uh, you go through, you're going to write down your personal set of values. You're going to discover what they are. You're going to know what your values are, not just the company that you work for and what they've, uh, what are your values, right? 
if if you were to if you were to talk to anyone and say what you know list off some values for me or let me know your life's vision or you know how how are you doing with work life not balance but work life harmony so we've got all these themes that are happening throughout and they speak to each one of those phases who am i what do i want where am i headed and who do i want to be when i get there so we kick it off with the self assessment they watch a video at the beginning of the week and then they go through the curriculum for that week and then the team leader meets with them and they have discussion questions kind of similar to a small group study okay. where they have curious questions that they're asking their team they kind of coach them through those questions but it pertains to that week so then as a team they're kind of building that team camaraderie they're talking about self-leadership and then the employees know that you care about them as a human being yeah. right what differentiates you as a business is you offer this 12-week leader course to your employees and that's different than what I'm seeing in business. What I'm yeah. seeing in business is let's, you know, watch these videos. It'll develop you and all these other sets of skills. Yeah. Uh, but we're really not pouring into the human. Right. So into the human beings, the members of our team, and then the 12-week leader then offers that. So, yeah, we, we, we set it up, do some onboarding, and then teams that, you know, uh, really any size can do this collectively together and it works within a remote workforce as well uh, because you as we're doing right now can jump on with your team go through the questions with your team every week it's a way to check in with them are they you know growing personally uh you know it, it so it, it really speaks to that rehumanizing business at a very core level very cool yeah man. sorry i uh started to have some technical difficulty over here so I, oh no worries at all brother i darted out of the screen uh well hey buddy uh how can people get a hold of you yeah uh so they can get a hold of me at cultureofgood.com uh cultureofgood.com uh, is a really easy way to do that uh and then i'm on linkedin and twitter okay so, Twitter, I've actually got Ryan McCarty. LinkedIn, I have McCarty Ryan. I wasn't, I wasn't quick to the jump on LinkedIn, Ooh. so somebody yeah. grabbed the Ryan well, McCarty. But Twitter, I, I was I'll early. I still in talk the game. to you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, so um, yeah, you know, they can follow me on Twitter or LinkedIn, and then reach out to me at cultureofgood.com, and they can see all the work that we're I'm doing on there, as as well as. Uh, you know, the 12 week leader stuff. So it's incredible work. I feel like I've learned a whole new set of rules of engagement. And uh, <laughs> thanks, I, man. I, I was a little bummed that the beard got trimmed. I had all kinds of one liner jokes that I was going to hurl at you. Yeah, lots of expectations. I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you crossed my first 90 seconds, had to reboot everything. <laughs> no, but uh, no, I, I feel like we could talk for hours on end, but I really appreciate you giving us your time, buddy. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Brad. I appreciate you giving me a, a space to, to say something. Hopefully it matters to your listeners and yeah. And, uh, and, and I'm hoping that what we can do collectively together is, is the type of work that can give us a sense of fulfillment and can make a profound impact in people's lives, man. I think we have to start there and finish there. Yes. You know, we have to be a lot more like Mrs. Parks um yes. oh. she said she said three words to me that day when i met her she said i was there i was there 
And, um, and those three words, I think, should sum up all of our lives, you know, uh, that at some point we can look back over our life and say, I was there. So that's, that, that to me, that to me would be the, the greatest accomplishment of my life, man, just to be there. So what you describe there is, is like a, as a lifelong educator and lifelong, really life coach, uh, those are, it's weird when I, when I talk about when I, cause I'm a big storyteller too. Uh, yeah, yeah. and I, and I end up telling a lot of stories that don't always have happy beginnings, but yeah, I guess I love those stories because I didn't have one just like that, but I've had countless stories where, I mean, I've, I had had students who watched their entire family blown up in front of them in Iraq, or yeah. I had a student who lost their mom and she cried on my shoulder for, I mean, just, I can, to this day, I can still feel her like on my, basically on my chest. Cause I'm six, three, uh, yeah. just like, just like, crying uncontrollably yeah. sobbing and I, I i don't wish that upon anybody but i love i love that i've been in a position where i can be the one there for them i, I wouldn't yeah. ever want them to go through that I, if i could click replay and it didn't happen i'd do that yeah a thousand yeah. times but i me too i love surrounding myself with people like you by miss parks by the other incredible, I have so many other incredible people I've been fortunate to get in touch with in my life yeah, uh, that also feel the same way that they want to be difference makers. Yeah. You, know, you can, you can make a living or you can make a difference. Yeah. And, and hopefully so, we can, hopefully we can do both. Yes. Well, and I, and I would challenge you, Brad, that anytime you question what leadership feels like that you have that sense right there on your chest again. Yeah. Because that's what leadership feels like. Yeah. If you ever question it, if your listeners ever question what leadership feels like, it feels like someone crying on your shoulder. Mm. Um, if it, it, it feels like the pain that someone else is feeling, you feel it. Yes. Maybe not, maybe not to their extent. Well, definitely not to their extent, but you, right. you have that sense that there's a oneness in right. people's pain. That's what leadership feels like. Um, and outside of that feeling, I'm not so sure. So right. I would just encourage you in that, man. Just keep, just keep being that, that shoulder. Or since you're 6'3", that, that chest to lean on, brother. <laughs> uh, all right, man. Well, we're cutting you loose. We've had another right, party man. for one day. <laughs> I appreciate it. I appreciate it, buddy. <laughs> Thanks, Make brother. it a great day. You too, brother. Thanks. Thank you.